they used to call me Charlie Shutai, but now they know me by another name. What is my current name? That comes a bit later. I was what you kids these days would call a sneakerhead. But back in the day, we were known as sneaker connoisseurs. See, I was getting wary of getting the seemingly same old ones that were hot that year. You can only get so many of the similar style before you've had them all. Then, what do you do? Just sit and stare at old shoe boxes covered in dust? Sure, but why not put them on and walk around with them? A weight can't do that. The value drops after that. So, I just sat there and looked at my display of all the different types of Gordons. Each Gordon shoe in its respective box captures a piece of history and brings singular but phenomenal memories. Every single one of them encapsulates a point of my existence and ties me to history in a certain way. Therein was its meaning to me but its meaning to the rest of the world was more focused. This was a shoe line that stemmed from one of the greatest basketball players of all time. The talent, raw power, and ability within a context that revolved around competition, physical feat, hard work, and success, and its accoutrements, is what imbued consensus value on these different iterations of items that specific individuals used as footwear. But after a little while, I noticed that there was only incremental changes in the style. And while it felt great to collect the latest Gordons, I felt as if I wasn't satisfied. I sensed that I was missing some soul in my shoe collection, and I yearned for so much more. That's when I went looking elsewhere for something that would spark some joy back in my hobby, nay, back into my very life. For you see, the sneakerhead in me was dying. It was withering away. I felt like B.B. King when he penned the words, The thrill is gone. I couldn't give up on my collection habit, but I knew I needed to restart or refresh my love for sneakers again. I had to get back to where it all began. Yes, I needed a different type of shoe. I needed to find inspiration from times long past. One could say a shoe long forgotten and withered by time, but somehow still radiant and appealing, so I decided to go to some local antique stores and see if they might have any old type of shoes. I walked into these stores, and I didn't tell the representative what I was looking for. It didn't feel quite right asking for help with this quest of mine. It was close to my soul. I felt as I needed to conduct this by myself. As I visited these antique stores, I smiled and acknowledged the attendants, and would brush them off politely when they asked if I needed assistance. I would say, no, I'm merely browsing, but I thank you for your offer of assistance. I did... Notice that they did have a few types of older shoes, but they were the ladies' kind, and I didn't want to get any of those. Those types of shoes did not tickle my fancy at all. I was searching and searching for these shoes, these 
these perfect shoes that would light a spark in my soul. I couldn't find them. Many years had gone by and still no sign of this, this wondrous shoe that I dreamt of. My fellow sneakerhead enthusiasts thought that I had lost my mind. I was spending money, yes, a, a significant portion of my collection. I sold to finance these trips, traveling places just to find the right pair of shoes. I searched high and low, yes, far and wide, for the shoes that would meet my criteria, but to no avail. One day, I awoke and I found myself in a distant land. Yes, I found myself amongst the gods of yesteryear, the birthplace of legends and myth. I was in Athens, where I would land to find the perfect pair. I was strolling in an open market, a bazaar, if you will. You know, a place where you find your classic street vendors with many trinkets fresh apricots, dates, and other Mediterranean foods that would rejuvenate and bring much energy after a long journey. It was there that I stumbled on an old vendor who beckoned me over to his stall. He was a weary old man, with a cane, a long gray beard. He looked a bit like the philosophers of old. I was tempted to call him Plato, but I held back my tongue. It was as if he knew what I was there for, because he showed me a plethora of intriguing leather goods, but what caught my eye was this splendid pair of leather shoes. They did not seem as if they were from this era. Nay, they were some old leather ones that were on a top shelf. They were kind of hard to see, but they were there. So I stood on my tiptoes, and I grabbed them. The old Greek man watched me with great curiosity. I was entranced by these old leather shoes. They also happened to be the right size, a ten and a half, so I took them down and I hold them back and I take a look and there's some strange symbol on them. It was a skull and a trident. I thought, how strange for this symbol to be on this type of shoe... So I walk to the old man and ask how much for the shoe. I say, Pozo ya tu papozzi. The old man takes a gander at what I have got and runs to the back of the stall real fast, maybe to go grab something. He comes back with a metal box. He says in Greek, Here, put them in here. There is a note in the box, says the man, but I can put the shoes in there for you. You must not put them on until you get home. There is a note inside the box, but do not read it until you get back to where you came from. I think, well, that's pretty strange. That he wanted me to open it at home and not in my car or whatever. But at the same time, I embraced it. It was all part of my splendid journey. It only added more flavor and mystery to this perfect pair of shoes. I take the old man's advice. And I quickly pack and leave Greece on a flight on a red eye. The anticipation of putting these shoes in my collection on display for my eyes only is building. I finally landed. I go to my baggage claim area to get my luggage, and I had half a scare. For I thought they had misplaced my baggage with the rare shoes inside. 
I was stuck at the airport for about an hour or two trying to sort out this mess, but it was solved in the end. I finally summoned a leaked limousine to whisk me away from this dreadful airport and to the sanctuary of my warm home. I thank the driver for picking me up and dropping me off at my majestic abode. I gleefully head to the front door, and I notice a flock of ravens. Their screeches and caws were of the type that would haunt your dreams. They sort of surrounded me. I quickly try to swat these scoundrels away to get into my home. Their calling seems loud and quite certainly almost triggers some anxiety, but I get inside my home safe and sound. I do wonder, what is wrong with these birds? Why are they even here? I've never seen them. Why, I'm wont to see pigeons, finches, and other rather peaceful birds in my general area, but ravens, and never have I seen their kind around here. Huh, quite strange. Now, what was that? It seemed as I could still hear them. Were they still around me? I shudder at the thought. I immediately walk about the open areas in my home and realize that the chimney may still be open. I quickly drop my baggage and head to the chimney. I close the latch and now can only hear the muffled noises of said ravens. I hear the calling and the screeching, but it is now more bearable. Now, to get to the task at hand, I will endeavor to open the box. Hey, where did those things go? I could have sworn that they were just here on the counter, so I go to look around my house, and they're nowhere to be found. But I did find that strange piece of paper. It was written in Greek. I put it aside as I searched for the box. Somehow the note got separated from the box. Anyway, I do find the box, and as I reached down to lift the lid, I felt a jolt in my spine. It felt as if it was lightning running through me. My intention was to place the shoe into one of my display cases, but I couldn't. For some reason, I had to wear it right then and there. It went against every principle I had when it came to rare items or shoes, but I had to do it. I had to wear it. It sort of compelled me. I gleefully slip my feet into these shoes and feel a very warm sensation throughout my body. Right then, well, I feel as if I'm elevating and I'm transported into a different dimension. It's not the dimension that I'm aware of, such as the 3D world that I know. It's not only about moving forward, backward, up and down, left and right. No, quite strangely, I feel as if I am mere energy, without a body, limitless and brimming with nothing but possibility. Yes, this is quite something else. I'm enveloped by universal mass. I feel it around me, but I cannot observe it. It does not emit light or energy itself, but it is a strong part of my present experience. I know it is there. It holds the elements of my universe together and makes up a large part of my experience, but it is far from visible. It seems to tie the cosmos together in a network-like pattern, with galaxy clusters originating at the nodes where the elements intersect. It was something more than mere elements. I felt as if I was able to overcome gravity, as if I was some kind of dark energy. 
More so, I was heightened meta-awareness and I was a natural state of joy. But it was more than that. There was no past. There was no future. It was just now. The present moment was all that there was. The past was wiped away and there was zero anticipation of the future. Conversely, immense possibility existed in the now. I felt as if I was free flowing energy. I was not one thing, I was every thing. I felt this warm glowing energy. It all enveloped me. It was as if I was merging this higher all-encompassing, all-knowing entity. It was hard to remember the past, but I recall this sense of being bound by my idea of the self. It felt as if I was trapped by separateness. It was that void, nay, that rigidity that kept pushing my energy to find this greater force. Yes, I hated that notion of being on a landscape or plane that was enclosed and fully separated from others. Indeed, it was this notion of the other that created angst, anxiety, and frustration. The fear of the other, it was destructive. It continued to crush me, to grind my existence down into something very tiny and minuscule, pulling me away, far away from everything else. But now, all of that melted away. I was surrounded by sounds that displayed themselves in colorful patterns. The next moment, I was speaking with my god, Baxter III. He spoke to me of his suffering and his agony in his last moments of life, but told me that he enjoyed his life in our northeastern homestead many years ago. I spoke to this energy form that resembled my father, Oliver Northwell, who told me that he was pleased with how I'd grown to support myself and make a way for myself in his absence. He had passed when I was but a child, but it left a void in my experience. Northwell commended me on my ability to think for myself, to doubt, to inquire, comprehend, conceive, and to imagine. Then, that conversation melted and gave way to this immediate insight that the perception of reality in the normal sense tends to be the source of untruth and of illusions. The sole pure truth exists when the layers of illusions are stripped away and ultimate reality reveals itself via the metaphysical consciousness. This, yes this, was the ultimate experience. It was as if I was pure consciousness, wholly separate from the literal self in a different plane of existence. I observed that, where one's consciousness moves intermittently in one direction along the dimension of time, from the start to the finalization of the physical state, in this experience, time was rather unsystematic and erratic. The restrictions of time did not play its perceived role in this realm. That was how I was able to talk to what I perceived as my old sport and my pup from youth, Baxter III, and even talk to my father, who had passed when I was but a young chap. The intriguing part about this realm was that my consciousness felt and imagined, and the experience manifested itself.
It was as if my energy was able to compel the experience that I wanted and physically build perceived reality. Reality is then is subjective experience. It's a tapestry of representation based on the respective energy from within a knowable but imperceptible reality. But something, something was happening to me. As I received these realizations, the light was slowly dissipating. The colors and the representations of colors, they slowly started to disappear, replaced by darker clouds. The energy form was not expanding anymore, but was rather contracting, to my intense dismay. A new form was beginning to emerge. It was an energy form mixed with light and with darkness, with feelings of sadness, fear, and anxiety, mixed with joy, happiness, and inspiration. But these darker aspects were taking over the form. The light pushed back. It was an endless struggle that lasted for several millennia, for what felt like hundreds of millions of years. It was as if a war was waging that where forces of light battled against forces of darkness. One side fought to eliminate and continually expand to unite, while the others sought to contract, isolate, and become separate. Separateness sought to create more illusions, and it began to feed on itself, and its energy grew more chaotic in nature. It seemed as if the darkness was somehow winning. It was inexplicable, but it was happening. Then, a massive explosion took place. It was silent. It existed in a vacuum, but its ripples were felt throughout the universe. That is when a sharp-dressed individual in some age-old leather shoes with a skull and trident symbol on the side of them appeared in the Lemnos Desert, an area that is only 17 acres. The island is known to many as an anti-oasis, an area that undergoes constant change in shape and dimension as it interacts with the elements. The sharply dressed individual was in awe of the fantastic dunes or thick yellow sands present in the area. The soft yellow sand was transported over several years by the airy elements from portions of land nearby and slowly deposited on this parcel of land that housed two extinct volcanoes. If one was patient, at times, one could see the dunes move as if there were waves in the sea. It is a wonderful landscape. Yet the sharply dressed individual had no idea why he was there. He was a young individual, and he stopped and stared at the wild rabbits that came out to forage around dusk. The olive trees and the white lilies entranced him as he witnessed a mixture of forest, vegetation, and arid lands. Lemnos gave off an ethereal sense. It was a scalding hot day, but the sharply dressed individual in the age-old leather shoes with the skull and trident symbol had no idea why he was there. He would eventually find his way to the mainland and settle in as a shopkeeper. The people in the local area would find it to be an intriguing phenomenon. The individual had no passport 
and no idea who he was, but he did know Greek fluently, and he was able to fit into the local area quite well. The individual would eventually find himself to become a merchant, and while his days away as a merchant at the local bazaar in the area. One curious part of that initial encounter with the sharply dressed individual on the initial day of contact was that he had no other papers but a note in his pocket. The note read, I am Pelias sas da differa analoga met in catatio tuna sas, a perafore after tapapazza, prepena perpatize stin erimo kai navre, mia oasi, e na tenachise na vriskatai, se inan carmigo vroho, prascanata gia tin alithia. Loosely translated, it read, Your experience will differ based on your state of mind. Everyone who wears these shoes must walk through the desert and find an oasis, or continue to find themselves in a karmic loop, searching for the truth. That was Lost in the Oasis by Dark Horse Tales. Good friend of the channel. I've narrated a number of stories by this gentleman. Thank you very much, Dark Horse, for the story. And I apologize to anybody who speaks fluent Greek and knows how badly I butchered that at the end. I don't speak Greek at all. So that was a very rough, um, I don't want to say assumption, but it was an assumption of how things are supposed to be pronounced along with listening to Google Translate try to tell me how to say it. Um, it went about as well as I think it could. So, again, I do apologize if I butchered any of that or said anything that was technically inappropriate because I misstated. I don't know. Anyways, thank you to everyone who listened to the story. Thank you to Dark Horse, and thank you to you, person who is listening to this outro of this video. I hope you all enjoyed this, and if you did, please do hit that thumbs up button. Leave me a comment letting me know what you thought. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the bell icon next to the subscribe button. You can also support me by following me on all my social media platforms or supporting over Patreon, Coffee, or channel memberships. All of them optional. All of them greatly appreciated. All patrons and members get early access to the content as I upload it. So consider it if that's something you're into. Anyways, all that said, my friends, I do want to say that I love you all. I hope you have a beautiful day. I'll see you on the next video. But until then... Sleep well.